This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I, uh, I'm going to bring a message today, and I, I know this is a word from the Lord. Uh, I have wrestled. Uh, I didn't want to bring this message because, you know, we often hear messages that are... Uh, Cliché. They become so cliché. It's like, oh, yeah. And it seems like when we go through really hard times, somebody comes out and says, it's going to get better. And, you know, I never want to be the false prophet that comes out and says, it's going to get better. And then, that's hard. But I, I, I do have good news for you. But I, before I bring this message, I, I do want to bring a little bit of context. I was with our leaders yesterday, and I, I felt like uh, it's important that we give context to the situation that we're facing in the nation. And first of all, I want to acknowledge the mess that we're in, okay? I know that, and I've watched, and it breaks my heart that, you know, we have a terrible fiscal policy in the country, uh, that we think that we can have two currencies. And I know that we say that they're different, that they're the same, but they're not. And, uh, you know, we lie to ourselves. Our politicians lie to us. They lied to us that they wouldn't bring this back. They have. Uh, they have lied to us about numbers of things, and, and that's wrong. It's wrong. You cannot lead a country, you cannot breed stability, and you cannot lead a nation lying to your people. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's the situation that we find ourselves in, and it makes it very, very uh, heart It makes me heart sore because we all had such great hope that we would be able to come out of this. And I promise you, we will come out of it. But it won't be because of the cleverness of man, it'll be because of the uh, it'll be because of people like you and I who have determined to stay and work through things and be led of the Spirit and let God help raise things up. I know that sometimes we feel powerless. Uh, uh, you know, we get discouraged. We can feel fearful uh, during these times. And uh, it seems like a repeat of 2008, even with the cholera crisis. You know, I saw there was a, a government here that had all these press releases that they'd given and done so much and the minister is shaking hands with this person and you know they gave thirty thousand dollars and I'm thinking well you know we as a church have done more than that and we've mobilized people but we're not looking for press we're looking for impact we're looking to really help solve problems and I, and I, and I want to commend you you know uh, it's not what happens in the press that's important it's what happens in people's lives that's important and uh, I want to commend our church. I want to commend the kingdom of God for the way that we're advancing. Uh, in this time, it's important that you continue to keep a positive focus on life. It's important that you continue to keep calm in the storm. The enemy would want to take you out of a spirit of peace and joy and right thinking, out of the kingdom. And, you know, if you'll go back and study the word of the year this year, I preached and we anticipated that this was going to happen. We told you that the world would be in greater chaos, that there would be greater chaos in the country. Uh, I think if you remember, uh, <clears throat> even after the coup that wasn't a coup, Everybody was all excited, and I think the message I preached was, now what? You know, don't get too excited, because we knew that that was not the solution. This is not the solution. 
If natural politics was the solution, we would have solved this many, many times. There has to be a spiritual awakening in the hearts of our nation, in the hearts of our people. You're a part of that. There is a spiritual awakening taking place in our hearts and our lives and in this church. And in the word of the year, I said this. The outer world will crumble, but there is great prosperity coming. Stay calm. Get busy living. Make sure your emotions are in control. Focus on relationships and the heart issues, the issues of the heart. It takes a decision to be a word-based person. It takes a decision to be a faith-filled person. And uh, I was so proud of Lincoln today as he's talking about the acts of kindness. This is our month of doing acts of kindness, acts. You know, we can do acts of service for other people. It takes a decision to give to someone else when you have a need. It takes a decision to be kind when you feel like punching somebody. And those are the virtues that only Christ living in you can give you. And every time you yield to righteousness, it creates more righteousness. Life begets life. Death begets death. As you yield to sin, as you yield to your emotions, as you yield to uh, things that are negative, they will beget more negativity. That's why what we see in the world today with so much in the social media that is so negative, so volatile, so polarized, you have to be very, very careful these days to not get too caught up in what's being spoken of on social media. The newspapers aren't telling the truth. We know that. We know that the news doesn't tell the truth. It's a propaganda machine. We know that all these are propaganda pieces. So what do we have to do as believers? Double down and refocus on the Bible, the Word of God. You'll get more revelation about what's really happening in the world through the Word of God than you will through anything else. And this is the truth. This is the truth. And it's the same for every generation. It's the same for every nation. It's the same. Yes, these were stories written about Israel and about Jesus and, and about the Roman Empire. But get me, let me tell you something. The principles are the same for every generation. And I want you to be encouraged that this is a great season for you and I. And we're about to see something happen that if I were to tell you, you wouldn't believe me. I keep telling you that. But we are at the season of breakthrough. It will not be, nobody will be able to give glory to man because this will not be man's doing. Now, this is not only for Zimbabwe, this is the whole world. The whole world is going to go through such an upheaval that it's going to shock you. But when we come out the other side, those of you that will remain in the spirit, God is going to bring deliverance to you. He's the God of breakthrough. And I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to the the the, the book of 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter. And uh, this is a story that we're all well aware of, but I'd like you to read with me in your real Bibles, okay? Real Bibles. How many have a real Bible today? Yeah, okay. You know, when you're, when, when, when the, when the uh, EMP hits and there's no elect electronic media anymore, and all your books and everything are stored on a Bible or, or on, a, on, a, on devices. Where are you going to have references from? I'll tell you what, you need a real Bible. 
I like reading a real Bible. I'm not against electronic Bibles, but you know, your electronic Bible, when you have it on your phone, can have your pornography on there at the same time. This is the holy word of God. Let's, 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 let's make it holy. Let's honor it. And uh, you should have a Bible you can write in as well. If you don't have a Bible you can write in, keep your holy Bible that you don't write in and find one that you can write in, okay, and bring it to church. So in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, it says, but when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David, and I want you to notice the word anointed, when they had heard that they had anointed David, king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came up and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David, be, and David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there. And then David said this, The Lord has broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters, Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim, and there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. When we think of the life of David, David is one of these kings, in fact he is the king that all other kings are measured by. He's the leader that all other leaders are measured by. And in this passage of scripture we see that David is finally at the point in his life where he thinks that he's going to get to enjoy life. He's being crowned king, not only of Judah, but king of Judah and all of Israel. He is the king. And uh, you would think that, and David's thinking that, wow, I finally made it. He's waited for this day for 22 years. 22 years of his life. And he's finally going to take the throne and rule as God's rightful heir. You see, the path that he's had to walk through has been a difficult one. He found himself fleeing from the hands of bitter enemies, including his own king, King Saul. He had to endure the disdain of his older brothers. He had to learn to keep his heart right with God through difficult situations. It was a long and a painful Discipline. That David had to go through to preserve his anointing. Now I want you to get this. David was anointed. He was anointed. Now in the Old Testament, we're anointed by prophets. We're anointed by oil. In the Old Testament, anointings came upon people. But we translate that today, and I'm going to show you some scriptures that show you that you are anointed. An anointing has to be preserved. The enemy is always after the anointing on your life. He'll try by every means that he can, by every enemy that he can bring against you, to destroy the anointing on your life, to keep you from becoming what God anointed you to be. See, many people think, oh, I have such a hard life. I know some people that don't have hard lives. I know some people that everything just goes great for them. 
but they are not walking in godly anointing. They have no blessing of God on their life. They have a natural blessing, but they have not entered into the things of the Spirit. I can tell you, if you have an anointing on your life, it will be contested every step of the way. And the enemy will come against the anointing. The enemy hates the anointing. Because it's the anointing that breaks off yokes of bondage. It's the anointing on a person's life that causes you to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. It's the anointing that is the spiritual part of you. It's the part of you that, that does supernatural things. The devil doesn't care if you're just natural, if you're just a nice person. He gets nervous when there's an anointing around. Because the anointing can destroy and break his kingdom. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Just tap your neighbor, say, you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is the Apostle Paul, he's teaching, or this is, this is John I'm saying, and he's teaching the church, he's saying, listen, you have an anointing. You have an anointing. Every one of you is anointed. Then he goes on in verse 27, he says, as for you, the anointing that you received from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now, let me tell you something, it's important, this anointing is important. Because the anointing that he gives you is what causes you to be taught of him. Walk with him. Stay in him. And if you're in Christ, if you stay in him, if you stay with Christ, you know that you're going to be victorious. God has preordained Christ. Predestined Christ. To be victorious. And as many as are in Christ Jesus, they will also be victorious. So how do you stay in Christ Jesus? By walking in the anointing. So what does the devil do? He comes to take the anointing from your life. He comes to break the anointing off of you so that he can take advantage of you and cause you to suffer, cause you to be outside of blessing, cause you to be outside of what God has for you. That's why there's such contention around your life. And we see this in the life of David. Now, David had his first anointing. And, you know, here he is. Uh, you all know the story. He's the youngest son. And the youngest son of any, of any family usually bears two distinctions. First of all, he's considered to be both spoiled and uninformed. Usually very little is expected of him. And therefore, he displays few leadership characteristics. At least fewer than the other children. In fact, he usually never leads. He only follows. But that's all about to change in David's life. Once he's hurriedly called from shepherding his father's sheep. And Samuel, the prophet, shows up in town. And has looked at seven other brothers. And none of them is the right guy. And finally, after checking them twice, turns to the father and says, is there not another? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there is, yeah. Come to think of it. Uh, yeah, the, 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 
the one that the Bible says was conceived in iniquity. The one of ruddy complexion. What does that simply mean? That simply means he's probably colored. He was conceived in iniquity. What does that mean? He's probably the illegitimate one. Many scholars believe that he was an illegitimate child, that he was, uh, you know, he was outside of the marriage. That was common back then. They had concubines and things like that, but he was the one that they're kind of embarrassed of. Well, I thought at least my colored brothers would say, hey. <laughs> There's hope for me. See, uh, I'm sure that when David saw Samuel, he was curious. Here's this old prophet that he'd probably heard about since he was a little tiny boy. And nobody ever wanted to see the prophet come to town. Let me tell you something. Whenever the prophet came to town, if you read in the Bible, they said, are you coming in peace? So when the prophet shows up at your house, David's wondering, what's going on? Why is, why is the prophet here? And uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's things that distinguished him as a prophet. But I don't think it would be his dress. I don't think it would be anything. But there's something about being around a man of God that when you look into their eyes, it's like they can look right through you. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But that's what God does, especially with seers. Have you ever had to stand in front of my wife? She has those piercing blue eyes. And I tell you, you, you can't lie to her because she's just going to see right through you, you know. <laughs> she does that. So, but from the eyes of this old prophet, I think there was a passion and a compassion that was startling to David. I don't think he'd ever met one of Jehovah's prophets. He'd never felt the hunger that comes from someone's soul like was in Samuel's soul. Have you ever been around somebody who's really hungry for God, who really has an anointing on their life? Let me tell you something. If you've preserved your anointing, you become very salty to people. You become very attractive. But you also become, it becomes fearful because, hey, I'm not where you are yet. Amen? So here this prophet comes and he commands this young teenager, 15 years old, to kneel down on the floor. And then he reaches inside of his cloak and he removes a flask of oil. Not a flask, but a ram's horn, a horn of oil. That oil, or that horn, I should say, had been provided by the sacrifice of some animal. And that's significant when you read the story because an animal's blood had to be spilled on an altar in some place in the distant past. To provide an instrument for the anointing of a king. Now if you'll study the difference between Saul and David, you'll find out that Saul was anointed not out of a horn of oil, but out of a flask, out of an alabaster flask. It's the difference between the anointing of man and the anointing of God on a life. It's the difference between the natural and the spiritual. There's the, the, the anointing of that came through the shedding of blood and the anointing that came just through the will of man. You have to also understand that the, and remember that the real anointing never comes without some form of sacrifice. 
There's always sacrifice with real anointing. It's a biblical pattern. We find it starting with Abel. Abel's sacrifice, what? He offered up a ram. It was acceptable to God. He offered it in due course, in, in, in time, in the right time. Whereas, what did Cain do in the, in the course of time, in his own leisure, when he felt like it? And he offered something that didn't cost any blood, any life. It wasn't the pattern that God had set. We also see it at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelations, where we hear of the cries of the saints under the altar who have been martyred, who have laid their own lives down, who shed their blood for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can tell you this today. If you are not yet prepared to sacrifice, then you're really not prepared to be anointed. Now, why am I saying this? Because I believe that we're coming into a season where those of you that will walk in Christ, that will walk in the anointing, are going to see an unprecedented blessing in the midst of all this chaos and all this turmoil. God's about to do something that if I had told you, we, you, you couldn't believe it. God's about to do something. Now, this young man, he bends to his knees, David, and he hears this old prophet pray, and then he feels this oil pouring off his head, down the back of his collar, into his neck. This is David's first anointing. But it would be another 15 years before he'd be made king of Judah, and another 22 years before he's made king of Israel. Those first anointings. I don't know if you've ever experienced anointing in your life. But the first anointings in your life are crucial. The decisions that you make. The paths that you choose to take. The lessons we learn from the first anointings. They hold such magnitude. Those first few prayers you pray. I can remember praying and the first time I felt the anointing as I prayed. I sensed God. It did something to me. Those first few moments of real worship. Oh, I remember when I was 18 years old, standing in the balcony of a church and just sobbing and weeping. So we're singing an old Andre Kraut song. Oh, how can I say thanks for the things that you have done for me? Things so undeserved. I'm crying out. And I, I just <laughs> could never finish that song. Those first times that we become involved in spiritual warfare. Those things become significant to you. I don't know. The first time I faced a demon face to face and realized that I had power over it. The first time that the, someone got healed and the anointing was so strong. Something happened. Don't forget those things. But often after that first anointing, we have to plot a weary path. <laughs> and it's called the path of preparation for God to use us in his kingdom. It's time that's spent waiting for promotion, waiting for advance, advancement, waiting for deliverance. It often seems like lost time. Think about David. 
David started as this little shepherd boy, wasn't looking to be anointed, just loved God. And then all of a sudden he's anointed to be king. The next thing, he's serving the king. The next thing, the king is hating him. And yet he's not king of anything. Then he becomes king in Hebron. Don't let me get ahead of myself. I think men, and I think sometimes all of us, forget that preparation is demanded for all promotions. Life is lived at on levels and arrived at in stages. You don't just jump to the next level. You don't jump to the next level because a prophet lays his hand on you. The prophet lays his hand on you and tells you where you're going to go, but guess what? You still have to go through the stages of development to get to the next level. Don't ever forget that. Are you listening to me? I remember that David had to sing to a mad king. The, the Bible says that the spirit of God had left King Saul. And that an evil spirit would come and torment him. And that only the singing of David could cause that spirit to leave. An anointing. An anointing can cause the demons to be silenced. David was purified in a furnace of affliction, a furnace of humiliations. But his faith began to grow strong. He saw God deliver him. He saw God show up in situations where he's being accused falsely. His heart would feel the heaviness of despair. At other times, his soul would leap for joy. He would write these incredible psalms of praise and worship because of the answered prayer of an almighty God. Let me just quickly talk about the two other anointings and I'll close. Besides this anointing at Bethlehem with his father, he'd have two more anointings in his life. The one would be at age 30 and the last at the age of 37. He reigned over Judah for six and a half years and over Judah and Israel for another 33 years, a total of 40 years. It was the last anointing, though, is the one that would carry him through the dark days of real trouble and a final place of power in the nation of Israel. The third anointing came when he was 37 years of age. He's anointed and recognized as the king of all of Israel. David was now no longer the young soldier, he was the veteran soldier. And it's time for him to go to Jerusalem and attack the Jebusites. Je Jerusalem is gonna become his capital city. I want you to understand something. It's your duty and it's my duty to understand that we live the life of soldiers. God has called us into warfare. We are to fight the good fight of faith. We are to put on the armor of God and having done all to stand, we stand against all the wiles of the enemy. Some of us forget that we're soldiers. But you do not attempt to meet temptation or to fight the enemy in your own strength. See, the watchfulness that we should have about our soul is one that looks for the advancement, warily watching for the advancement of the enemy, and then we tell God of it in prayer. And then we become 
prepared and strengthened by God for the battle. David cried out. He said, God, do I go up after these Philistines? Do I attack that city? David never just went out because he had authority. He went out under the direction and used his anointing and used his authority at the direction of the Holy Spirit. So it is with your lives. The positions that God has placed you in doesn't mean that you could just sling off every minute and just say anything you want to because you're anointed. You're anointed to be led of the Spirit in the situation you find yourself in. If you're in the courts of this government, you need to be anointed to walk through the pitfalls and the things that we're facing as a government, as a nation. If you are in education, you can't just get up and just... You have to be wise as to how you use your anointing to bring about the transformation of your children and their parents. You're not just educating parents, you're, uh, children, you're educating parents as well. If you're in business, you can't just go out there and think that it's all about just making money. It's got to be for the betterment of society. If your business isn't really helping society, if it's only about making money, then you will be part of the problem and not part of the solution. And God won't bless you. You'll be taken out by an enemy through greed. That's why you profiteer, because you're not trusting God. You're just trusting the situation. You can see yourself making a buck. That's not how we live. We don't live to make a buck. We live by faith. We live to serve people. Are you listening to me? So Jerusalem, by the way, we had a great trip to Israel this year. It was just amazing. We went to the city of David. We were here at this very site. And, you know, the place of the Jebusites, the, the, the Jebusites lived there. Not only is Jerusalem full of Jebusites, but the Jebusites are full of insults. They're insulting David. And in, first, in 2 Samuel 5 and verse 6, it says, The king and his men went to Jerusalem to the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land which spake unto David, saying, Except you take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in thither, thinking that David cannot come in thither. Well, let me read it in the Living Bible. David now led his troops to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites who lived there. You'll never come in here, they told him. Even the blind and lame could keep you out, for they thought they were safe. See, I think the questions that all of us need to ask ourselves is, has the world ever mocked you? Has the world ever hurled defiance at the way that you live? Has the world ever said that men cannot serve God in these modern times? Has the devil not whispered in your ear to, and, and told you to give up, to quit? Oh, what is this God stuff anyway? You see... Those are all attempts of the enemy to take your anointing away, to take you out of the kingdom, to take you out of Christ so that he can get you on an unrighteous platform. We read on, we read in verse 7 that David uh, went in, he took the city, and uh, then in verse 10 we see the reason for David's success. It says in 2 Samuel 5 and verse 10, and David went on and grew great. David went on and grew great. And the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. 
Boy, I want you to know something. I don't think it can get more concise than that one verse of Scripture. Those words are short, but the meaning is without limit. Listen to what it says. David is this persistent guy. He went on. Right there. He went on. Will you go on? Will you keep going on? There are so many people that just quit. They don't go on. Will you go on? He went on and on and on. David just kept going on. Oh, he made lots of mistakes. He fell. He stumbled. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He did all. But the Bible says he was a man after God's heart. He went on. Amen. See, I'll tell you what. It's the man or the woman who steadfastly goes on that will enter the city. And that will clear space for himself. Because God will allow it. See, great men and great women are defined by walking in paths of righteousness. They're defined by the strength of their prayers, their commitment to serving others. They're defined by the fact that they've made stumbling blocks turn into stepping stones. They're defined by gaining power from seeming setbacks and seeking God rather than seeking position. And that's what God looks for. That's what anointed people do. There's something about a man or a woman who just goes on. He goes on despite the circumstances. He goes on despite the trials. He goes on despite being a minority. Whatever it is, he just goes on. Folks, our real security is not in the possession of what we can see but in our relationship with what we cannot see, with God. You see, once men become comfortable with what they have, they're no longer dreamers. They're no longer visionaries. They're no longer progressing because they're declining. In fact, they're no longer moving forward because once you stop, life moves forward. That means you're in retreat. Here it is, it's after the capture of Jerusalem. David takes down the Jebusites. He conquers this city that was supposedly unconquerable. After the conquering of the Jebusites, it was then that the Philistines determined that they're coming to capture David. Notice that the Philistines arise again to stop the anointing. This is the third anointing. And the Philistines said, no, we will not let him become king over Israel. We're not going to let him have this anointing. He may be anointed, but we're going to stop it. Goliath, a Philistine, came to try to stop the first anointing. And David was just a young lad. Saul, David's own king, grew jealous of David after the second anointing and pursued him, trying to kill him. And now, after the third anointing, the Philistines are after him again. You see, the enemies of the kingdom and of your soul are not phased by your previous victories. They really don't care how many victories you've had. They will continue to be persevering even in the face of continued defeats. The devil, or 
the defeat of the, Jebu the Jebusites didn't stop the Philistines from looking for David. Just because you defeat one enemy doesn't mean that there's not another one coming. Just because victory may have been present yesterday, it doesn't mean that it's assured today. Too often we want the anointing, but no battle. Or we want the battle without the anointing. But we have to understand that both of them must come together and they have to work together. God prepares battles for you, but he's given you an anointing. That anointing is sufficient to defeat your enemies. It's sufficient to lead you through the storm, through the fire, through whatever you're going through, the anointing can do that. I have given you an anointing. You are anointed. And the anointing teaches you all things. So the Philistines came to seek David in the valley of Rephaim. David got directions from God. The Bible declares in 2 Samuel 5.20, and David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there and said, the Lord has broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim, the place of breakthrough. Baal Perazim means the place of breakthrough. But I want you to see the pattern here. God is doing this for you and I today. We think that we've had all this trouble, all these problems. And we think, oh, it's just so terrible. Guys, guys, guys. God is setting you and this nation up for a victory. God is setting you and your family up for a breakthrough. A breakthrough. And we have to believe in the God of breakthrough. I can't believe for my own life personally that I have spent 40 years fighting enemies. And that there's not a breakthrough coming. I can't believe that. I can't believe that when I came here I was 25 and next year I'll be 65. I do know this. I know that he is the Lord of the breakthrough. Amen. He is the master of the breach. He, is, he has the battle in his hand. The battle is the Lord's. He is my strong tower. He's our defense. He's our shield. He's our refuge. He is the strength of our life. Zechariah 4 verses 7 and 8 says this. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day or night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall break forth or go out. Now this verse is prophetic for a time that will be seen by all in the near future. We know that. But the phrase itself denotes that it is a principle that occurs again and again and again. That God breaks through. He is the light in the darkness. The Bible can't, I can't help but just see these scriptures popping out of the scripture everywhere. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. 
the glory of the Lord, the light of God, the breakthrough, the anointing, the anointing of God is risen upon you. I can't help but see the scriptures that says darkness covers the earth and gross darkness is over the people. But what happens? A light is rising. A light is rising. I can't help but read the Bible where it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God himself will raise up a standard. I can't help but see these things. I can't help but see that when the enemy thought that he had won, when he thought that he had killed the Son of God, when he thought that it was over, that on the third day, a light arose that has not gone out. The Son of God, Jesus, the Christ, yet lives again. Folks, it's all through the scriptures. Here's my concern. Some of you may find yourself in a time of lukewarm desire for God. This isn't the time to be lukewarm. This is the time to... Hold fast to your anointing. This is the time to get the anointing. And this is the time to understand that the God of breakthrough is on the way. He is on the way. John the Baptist came and he preached the baptism. He says, I I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I am. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Folks, I'm telling you something. There's a baptism that's coming, a Holy Ghost and fire baptism. For, because you're anointed. You're anointed. And the anointing teaches you all things. And that anointing is not in vain. There's an anointing. But the question is, will we walk in it? Today, I want to pray for some of you. I sense that there's some of you that have become weary in well-doing. Some of you have even become lukewarm in your walk with God. We have people that don't come to church. I'm so proud of you today. Look at this. You know, you have every excuse not to be here today. There's no fuel. There's no electricity. There's no food. Well, well, you know. And, and, you know, a lot of people just use ex- any excuse not to be with the people of God, not to come to church. No, 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 no. Listen, the reason we come to church is because in this corporate anointing, in building relationships and fellowships, we secure our anointing. That anointing that teaches us all things. Where do we learn about the anointing? In the presence of God. Where do we have those encounters? Oh, even as I'm standing here, I can remember being that 18-year-old kid up in the balcony at a church a little bit smaller than this one with a bunch of hippies. And they're all praising God and I'm just weeping. I can't control it because there's an anointing Oh, that anointing went away. Let me tell you something. But I remember it like it was yesterday. And it held me strong. It held me strong. And I'll never forget 
But I made a decision to come to the nation of Zimbabwe, Rhodesia then. And a prophet called me out after I had been told by pastors of this city that I was of the devil. They were all leaving the country, but I was of the devil. And they made me a prohibitive immigrant. They told me, you'll never come back here. And I'm standing in a, actually this is when I met my wife. But I'm standing in a meeting and a prophet, a prophet of God, looks at me and says, young man, I was young then. <laughs> young man. Me? Yeah, you. Me? You. You. Yes, you in the white shirt. You. And I stood up timidly, fearful. And he says, Zechariah says, I will be a wall of fire. A glory, uh, I will be a wall around you and a glory. Uh, and and a wall of fire around you and the glory in the midst of you. He says, I don't know what's happened to you, young man. He says, but somebody came against you. But whatever they came against you for, I'm thwarting it. He says, there's another scripture that comes to me. He says, the apostle Paul had been beaten in three subsequent cities. And he was kicked out of a city. And the spirit of God, God appeared to him and told him, I want you to go back to that city. He says, and when you go back, they will do you no harm. He had no idea what I'd just been through. I wept like a baby, and the anointing came on me. I came back to Rhodesia. By then it was Zimbabwe. I came back to Zimbabwe thinking that they're going to not let my wife, my new wife and I in at the border. We got through the border. I thought, what was that? A breakthrough. Let me tell you something. I never knew what happened until 13 years later. 13 years later, a young man came to me. He says, Pastor Tom, can I speak to you? I said, sure. It was at one of our action conferences. I said, you don't know me. I said, no, I don't. He says, told me his name. He said, 13 years ago, he says, I was working at immigration. And he said, a man came in, a white man, and he brought papers to have you made a prohibitive immigrant. He said, but you were my Bible school teacher at Zioja. And he says, I knew that this wasn't right. He says, and when he left, I destroyed those papers. The God of the breakthrough. God's as interested in protecting your anointing as you are. God's trying to protect the anointing on your life. Will you let him? Or are you going to cut the corners? Are you going to get discouraged? Are you going to quit? Some of you are anointed for business. All of you are anointed to be evangelists. All of you are anointed to do good works, good things. Right now... Let that anointing grow as you do acts of kindness, acts of service. What does it stand for? Another chance to serve.
Hey, the greatest gift you'll ever get, the greatest way to use your anointing is to serve somebody else. Serve. So wherever you're sitting today, you say, Pastor, man, I think you're talking to me. I think you're talking to me. Whether it's you've become weary in the battle, or maybe, even I'm speaking, you're remembering a former anointing. You're thinking, oh, I remember that. David waited 27 years for the anointing to come into effect. 27 years. How long have you been waiting? 27 minutes, some of you. 27 years before the anointing. And then when he thought, oh, man, I made it, guess what? It was only to face a whole bunch more enemies, including his own son, rebellion in his own camp. The guy never had peace. The anointing was constantly under attack. And yet the Bible says, this was the man after my own heart. This is the king that all other kings will be judged by. What if he would have quit? What if he would have just, ah, I'm tired of this. He could have. Other kings did. But he didn't. If I'm speaking to you today, if this is you, and you've grown weary, and I've all, we've all grown weary, I can tell you that. We're, t- we're sick and tired of all this. But let me tell you something. There's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Keep the anointing and you'll break through. Lose the anointing, I don't even want to think. I don't even want to think. Amen. If I'm speaking to you, stand. Say, that's me. You're talking to me today. Just stand. Lord overshadow. Wow. See, this is what I love about this church. Look at you. You guys, this is so humbling to me. It's humbling. It humbles me. God, look, God, I'm asking you to look at these hearts. Look at these men and women. Lord, they want the anointing. They want you. They want to be used of you. Look, they, they're not just standing. They're standing because I know you're speaking to them, Lord. Lord, help us to regird our loins with truth. To put on the breastplate of righteousness and the our feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The helmet of salvation. The shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. That we might protect and guard that deposit, the anointing that you placed in us until we see our enemies vanquished, until we see every foe defeated, until we break the back of the enemy in this land. Father, we know it's a long battle. We see David, he was king for 40 years. He was a shepherd boy for 15, 55 years of age. He stopped serving you. And he fought every day of his life. But he was a worshiper. Father, no matter what age we are, it's not too late or too early. Let your anointing fall. Thanks for listening. 
For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.